All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much for being here today. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. Thank you for braving the weather. I was not expecting the rain again until I checked the weather yesterday, but I'm glad you are here. And thank you to everyone who is tuning in online to uh, to engage in worshiping our amazing God with us. Let's stand together, everybody. And let's kick off with this awesome song directly from Scripture, from the Lord's Prayer. And here we go. Sing, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Once again. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. And give us this day. Give, give us this day a daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us. As we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver them from evil one. Let your kingdom come. You sing, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Once again now. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here, right here in my heart. Give us, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From evil one, oh, let your kingdom come. And it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. Forever and ever. The kingdom is yours. Once again, it's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. Forever and ever. The kingdom is yours. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Once again now. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. We sing, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Oh, Father, let your will be done On earth as in heaven Right here in my heart Father, let your kingdom come Father, let your will be done 
a faithful God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's celebrate His faithfulness right now. We've seen, we've seen, we've heard the stories of your goodness. We're lost, then found, and broken hearts were healed. We've known, we felt the power of your presence when mountains fell. Every wave was still. One look, one look at what you've done, yeah. It's a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, We are the monument. Of your faithfulness. What death could ever separate us? The blood you shed will always be enough. One look at what you've done. It's a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to save. We are the monument of your faithfulness. Every captive soul that has been set free Testify, we have been redeemed. We are the monument of your faithfulness. Of your faithfulness. These monuments, these monuments of what you've done. Each monument of your great love, every every war that you have won, is just a glimpse of what's to come. Each monument of what you've done, each monument of your great love, every war, every war that you have won. It's just a glimpse of what's to come. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful. Every miracle. Every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, we are the monument. 
shown his faithfulness to me is through my amazing wife, who Woo-hoo! is celebrating her birthday today. Yay, Happy birthday. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, so I, I just, I, I praise God for her and for the family that we have. It's been wonderful. And I praise God also for the fact that in Deuteronomy We are told to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We are never alone. We are never, ever alone. God's presence and God's power are always near. And when we feel surrounded by life's messes, We are assured that the Lord, our God, is surrounding them. He is surrounding those those messes. And that is how we fight our battles. And you know, over the last couple of years, we have faced some battles together. But you know what? God has been there, and he has never left us or forsaken us. And and, and I know that uh, the same is true for all of you as well. So... Pastor Gary is going to be up in a little bit to lead us in a time of revival prayer. Before we do that, let us take some time to sing this prayer uh, to the Lord. This is called Surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm 
is how I fight my battles. This 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 is how this is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. Yeah, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you Yes, I am It, it may, may look, look like, like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you oh, oh. It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. And this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Yeah, this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. It may look like Thank you for leading us in worship today. And uh, good morning. Good to see you guys. Really appreciate y'all being with us. If you're joining us through either YouTube or through uh, Facebook, we're really glad you're with us as well. And uh, if you have a Bible, I'd like to encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 10. 
if you've got it on your phone, you can do that. But uh, uh, to verse 38, and um, I want to just share with you a few verses I can. I don't know if any of y'all have um, a tendency at times to get caught up with busyness and hurry. I don't know if anybody here does that. I know that I do. I don't know if some of you do. I'm sure that maybe possibly there's one of us who doesn't. I don't know. But it's something that I periodically do is that I can get swept up in busyness. And when I get swept up in busyness and when I get swept up in hurry, did you know you can't hurry quality time? Let me put it this way. If you're out on a date with your spouse, you cannot hurry quality time with your spouse in a date. You really can't, okay? Uh, and you really can't hurry quality time with, uh, with a child uh, who needs your attention. You really, and, 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 you know, the other thing is you really can't hurry quality time in the presence of Jesus. Um, for me, the most important thing that I do every day is what I do when I spend time in the presence of Jesus. That the more important than all the things that I'm quote unquote going to do for Jesus later in my day are not as important as what I do when I slow down. When I slow down. The scripture says in, in Psalm forty six, and I, I woke up the other more late the other night and I couldn't sleep and I, I opened my Bible and I read through Psalm forty six again and it says this and, and it never changes. He keeps saying the same thing. It, it keeps saying this be still. And know that I'm God. See, sometimes I bring my hurry, my busyness, and the anxiety that that sometimes produces in me. I will sometimes bring it to bed with me. And it will wake me up in the middle of the night. And so I have to wake up and I have to open. I have to get up. I'm already awake. But I have to get up and I have to open my Bible. And I have to remind myself, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So uh, one of the things I do, and part of my rhythm is, you know, is each day I always start my day and I begin with reading the Word of God and I begin my time with prayer. And sometimes as I'm in the Word of God, I will write out my thoughts uh, that come to me. Sometimes I'll write out just short little sermons. It may be two sentences long to myself of what the Word of God is saying to me. And oftentimes, I will take what God is saying to me in the moment, and I'll write it out as a prayer. For me, writing out my prayers sometimes is very good for me. helps me to really focus. And so, yesterday, I was reading, and, and I'm reading through the Old Testament, but I always spend time reading at least one chapter from the New Testament each day as well. And I was reading in Luke chapter 10 again, and I read these verses in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, and it says this. It says, uh, as Jesus and his As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha. This is one of the sisters of Lazarus. She opened her home to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary. And uh, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, sitting at someone's feet, if I were to sit down at Matt's feet right now, that might look and sound awkward to you. Uh, and that's because we have a context of how we think about sitting at someone's feet. But it's the wrong context. See, in the first century, if you were sitting at someone's feet, typically you were sitting like around a table. For them, uh, you reclined at a table. And you would put your 
feet, your legs out uh, behind you. And so if a person is here and I'm here, I'm at their feet. And the person next to me is at my feet. And the person next to them is at their feet all the way around the table. And so when she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, this is a way of saying is that she was just sitting as close to Jesus as she could. Are you with me? Are you as close to Jesus as you need to be? See, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She wasn't busy with activity. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, verse 40. But, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. By the way, Luke is being sarcastic. That's a sarcastic statement. All the preparations that had to be made. I'll tell you why. That's a sarcastic statement. Uh, she was busy, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. We're getting ready for our daughter's marriage, her wedding. Do you know how many preparations are involved in that? Joy's like, you have no right to say anything about that. That's because I'm at the feet of Jesus. She's like, well, you need to get busy with a few preparations. My wife is awesome. She is doing so much. She really is. This morning, I texted my, my daughter. I de- texted Faith, who's engaged. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, she's engaged. And there's a lot that goes with that, just being involved in a relationship. And she's engaged. She's going to school full time in a nursing major. There's a lot in that. And she's planning a wedding, and there's a lot in that. And she's holding down two jobs. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to sit down and be still. <laughs> I felt hurried for her just thinking about it. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, been, had to be made. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? See, Martha is so busy with her preparations, she has expectations for other people. This is what happens when we get caught up in busyness and hurry. We sometimes get frustrated, irritated with what other people are not doing, and we even get frustrated with God. Do you, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? She has an expectation for Mary. She has an expectation for Jesus. Tell her to help me. She's convinced she's right. Jesus is wrong. Mary's wrong. She's the only one who's got it all figured out here. And Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, when someone says your name twice, you really should probably listen to them. Martha, Martha, you are worried. You're worried and, and, and upset. About so many things. Let me ask you. Are you worried and upset about so many things? Or there's just lots of things that are really bothering you. And Jesus says this. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. You know, nobody can take away our time with Jesus except you and me.
The only person who will take away my time with Jesus is, is me. Maybe because there's a Martha in my life who's saying, and it's not my wife. My wife is, is, she does a lot, but she is wonderful at being at the feet of Jesus. Every day at the feet of Jesus. And I try to make that my rhythm as well. Uh, as I was reading this and reflecting on it, I thought to myself, you know, it's better for me to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching than to be busy with many preparations and distractions, whether it's getting ready for messages. I need to do that. Whether it's getting ready for meetings, I have to do that. Okay? Whether it's getting busy with other preparations in my life, it is better to sit at the feet. See, the best thing I can do every day and the best thing you can do every day is being at the feet of Jesus. We live in a world of hyper-busyness. Make sure you spend time doing the most important thing. You know, we talk a lot about spiritual renewal, and we talk a lot about spiritual revival. By the way, you cannot busy your way into revival. Uh, people will sometimes create... You know, it's so interesting is it's not until we let go of what we can do that we can really begin to wait on God to do what only he can do. We don't busy our way or hurry our way into revival and spiritual renewal in our daily lives. That's what daily time with Jesus is. It's time for renewal, being made new. Um, Spiritual renewal doesn't come to the hyper-busy. It comes to those who sit at the feet of Jesus. I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes I write out prayers, and and I'd like to read for you a written prayer. Can I do this as our prayer time, and then we're going to do our greeting time? So, uh, let's pray. Lord, I confess that I'm distracted uh, by busyness. Perhaps even addicted to busyness. I return to it again and again. I look for my identity and my productivity. Uh, and, and I confuse busyness with being productive and fruitful. <clears throat> Help me, God, to learn the way of simplicity. Help me to learn the way of being still in the presence of Jesus. Help me to be still and to know that you are God. Help me to sit quietly at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are the one who laid down your life for your sheep. Lord Jesus, you are my shepherd. You are everything that I need. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You renew, restore, revive my soul. You guide me in right paths for your name's sake. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, guys, let's take a moment. I'd like you to just take a few minutes, greet the people around you. uh, Tell someone you're really glad they're here today.
right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats here. You can remain standing. We've got a, a new song we'd like to introduce to you. In Psalm 47, verses 1 to 2. It says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High the great king over all the earth. The Lord Most High, He is awesome beyond words, right? Awesome beyond words. But this did not keep David and the other psalm writers from trying to express their adoration of Him, and it shouldn't keep us from doing it either. This is a new one I think you will really like. It's called This Is Our God. that we call sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came and He died and He rose. Those walls are rebel now. And remember, remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But He came, and He died, and He rose. Those giants are dead now. And this is, this is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. He bore the cross. Keep the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. Remember those fears, a breath away, faith so weak that we could barely pray, but he heard every word. Every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness tell the stories of this faithfulness. Never once did he fail, and he never will. And this is our God. This is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God, this is what He does, He saves us. He bore the cross, beneath the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. And who pulled, who pulled me out of that pit? He did, He did, who paid for all. 
all of our sin. Nobody but Jesus who pulled me out of that pit. He did, he did. Who paid for all of our sins. Nobody but Jesus who rescued me from that grave. Yahweh, Yahweh, who gives the glory and praise. Nobody but Jesus who rescued me from that grave. Yahweh, Yahweh, who gets the glory and praise. Nobody but Him, this is our God, this is who He is, He loves us. This is our God, this is what He does, He saves us. For the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God. King Jesus, and He bore, bore the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. This is our God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can have a seat, everybody. All right, awesome. That was fantastic. Hey, very, very quickly, before I launch into today's message. um, So, we got that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. So up here on the screen, we've got uh, we, we've got a, a picture of our invite cards for um, uh, for our Easter services coming up. And one of the things I've been encouraging you to do is just uh, be praying about who is it, you know, how God wants you to invite the person that God wants you to invite. So I want to encourage you to be praying about that, praying for that person, praying for how God wants you to do it and for that opportunity. And uh, before you leave today, I'd like to encourage you to pick up. Uh, at least one card to invite a friend. And uh, and if you want to invite more than one person, please feel free to take more. The only thing I'll ask you to do is don't pick up ten unless you know ten people by name you're going to invite, okay? Uh, if you know ten people by name you're going to invite, then pick up ten. And uh, just make sure you invite all ten, all right? And uh, Because we, I didn't make like a ton of these, but I did want you to have a tool in hand that make it real easy. So I'm really looking forward to Easter. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm... I'm I'm enjoying what we're doing right now in the book of Daniel, but I'm really, really looking forward to Easter. I'm going to do a message called Hope is Here, and, uh, and I got this message from Steve. Uh, Steve thought of the title. Uh, I thought of the message, but, uh, but, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I was looking at the text again the other day. Uh, I was looking at some stuff that I was reading uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien, which I, I, I really, Tolkien's one of my favorite authors, you know, the one who wrote The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, some of you may not know this. He was a believer, follower of Jesus. Uh, he and C.S. Lewis were close friends. Both of them followed Jesus. But, um, but just kind of working on that. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to the series after Easter. I'm looking forward to a lot. Okay, I am. But I'm looking forward to, uh, we're going to do a series on the book of Acts called Power. Uh, the, the difference the Spirit makes or whatever, something like that. I can't remember what it is. But I'm looking forward to that as well. But I want to encourage you to be praying about that that friend that God wants you to invite. So, um, 
So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm curious, real quick, uh, you, some of you may be embarrassed to do this, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway, uh, uh, because there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But if you were born between 1946 and 1964, if you were born between 1946 and 1964, would you mind raising your hand? All right? Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, you guys are baby boomers. Most of you probably know that. Uh, have you ever heard baby boomers called the me generation? No? Okay, there's a reason why we're called the me generation. It's because we are the me generation. Okay? Uh, uh, and I, I can explain to you why that's true. Okay? Uh, is that... that uh, but, but a while back, there were a couple of articles that were written. Uh, one was in Time Magazine. One was in The Atlantic about millennials. Anybody familiar with millennials? Anybody know when millennials were born? Okay. Basically, 81 through 96. 81 through 96. Different people use different numbers, but basically 81 to 96. And then Gen Z, uh, you know, they, they, they're 1997 and uh, into the early 2000s. So, um, so I, I was, I looked this up. I was just kind of curious. I looked this up and I looked up. There was an article, uh, in Time Magazine about millennials and they called it the me, me, me generation. Isn't that terrible? Okay. Okay. And, and, and so I, I'm sure some of my millennial friends would say, yes, we're called the me, me, me generation by the selfish, insecure, jealous baby movers, uh, who feel threatened by us. Okay. Uh, Actually, you know, the thing is, is that there are tendencies and you can see uh, generational patterns and there are differences. Millennials are much less likely to go to church, but probably much more likely to call themselves spiritual. Uh, and so they, 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 they are. And this message isn't really about millennials and it really isn't about, uh, about baby boomers. It is about every single one of us. Okay. Because, in, and I like what this one guy said in an article uh, from The Atlantic. He said this. He said, every generation is the me, me, me generation. Okay? Every generation. Because every single individual at times is all about me, myself, and I. You know, it, it's so interesting. You see it in worship wars. You, you, anybody remember the worship wars back in the 80s about should we use more traditional music or more contemporary music? It is me, 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 me. I want my kind of music. It's not even about worship. It's no longer even about worship. It's about me, 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 what I want. I want, I want, I want. Um, the poster child of the me, me, me generation is a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. We've been talking about him over the last few weeks. And so today what I want to do is we're going to open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. So if you have your Bible or your phone, open up to Daniel chapter 4. And, um, and uh, Daniel chapter 4, i got to find it. Usually I have a little paper clip, so I'll go right to it. Um, in fact, I'm going to put one there right now so I don't lose my place. Uh, Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And uh, we've been doing this series on the book of Daniel called Thriving in Babylon. The people, the people of Judah had been carried away into captivity in 605 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar. 
Uh, there were actually three different waves of people being carried away into captivity, but he came in the first time, defeated Jerusalem in 605 B.C. Uh, the, the Babylonians, they, they defeated, first they defeated the Assyrians, then they defeated the Egyptians, then they defeated not, there were the Assyrians and the Syrians, they're two different groups, okay? And then they went through, they defeated uh, Judah, and they defeated Moab, and they de- defeated Ammon, and they defeated all these ancient nations. And Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world. Really fascinating, if you go back to chapter, chapter 1 of Daniel, what the Bible tells us is it tells us that the Lord gave Jehoiakim and Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. This is a bizarre phrase. See, in the ancient world, if my army defeated your army, it meant that my God was greater than your God. But Jehoiakim's God really wasn't the Lord at all. That's why the Lord gave Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Daniel chapter 4. Um, Today, what I want us to talk about is I want us to talk about the insanity. Can you say insanity? The insanity of pride. See, pride is not just a something is not just something that someone else deals with. Pride is not just something that Nebuchadnezzar dealt with. Pride is something every single one of us can deal with. When we're more absorbed with me, myself, and I, than we are concerned about other people, that there is pride and selfishness in our hearts and our lives. By the way, and the more pride and selfishness there is in our lives, the more we crowd out Jesus. You know, it's impossible to be proud and worship God at the same time. Did you know that? It is. Today we're going to talk about the insanity of pride. And so I want to begin just by reading the text of Scripture to you. Because, see, what I say matters little unless what I say is consistent with Scripture. And the most important thing you need to hear today is the Word of God. Because God's Word is true. It is our first and final Word on all matters of life and faith. And what... God's word says to us, Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar is writing this text. A formerly pagan king is a writer of scripture. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that? Did you know that a non-Jew wrote part of the Bible? Part of the Old Testament? And Daniel, the Holy Spirit, led him to include this in the Scriptures. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations, peoples of every language who live on all the earth, may you prosper greatly. By the way, this address by Nebuchadnezzar is very similar to how we see Peter uh, address people. I can't remember if it's First Peter or Second Peter or maybe both. But it's very interesting. It's, it's a style of address that's mimicked later. 
I was actually listening to a message. I didn't listen to the whole thing by Chuck Smith, who is with the Lord now, who is uh, considered to be the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. Uh, but I was I was reading it, and um, and and it was it was it was interesting just to consider that God is using a Gentile king to speak about uh, about God. So Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, he says, To the nation's peoples uh, of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. Does this sound like a pagan? No, I, I don't think at this point that Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan anymore. He said, it is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High has performed for me. How great are His signs. How mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He has this dream. And in this dream, he sees a large statue. And in, in this statue, on the statue, the head is of gold, the chest is of silver, uh, the, the belly is of, of brass, the, 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 um, uh, the legs, uh, the, the, the belly, the, the legs are of, of, uh, of brass or of bronze, and then the legs and the, are of iron and the feet are of iron and stone. And, and God tells through Daniel, the meaning of this dream is that, that it represents four different kingdoms. And in his dream, he sees a stone not cut with human hands. And this stone hits that image, and it crushes the feet of the image, and it destroys the image entirely, pulverizes it, and it's blown away by the wind. And then the stone grow, blows into a great mountain. And Daniel interprets this as, as he says, you, O king, are the head of gold, but after you, another kingdom is coming of silver, then another kingdom of bronze, then another kingdom of iron, then iron and partly of clay. But then the Lord God is going to set up his kingdom, and it will never pass away. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wanted his kingdom to last forever. Uh, in in I don't want to get it off. I'm going to nerd out here. I apologize. Just understand this. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. There was no room in his thinking for a god of Judah to rule forever. But now he's saying how great this god of Judah, how great are his sons, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. He says in these words the exact thing that Daniel said in chapter 2. See, that, that, remember the stone that comes a mountain? That, that it's the kingdom that will never fade away. And, and he says here, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Let's get in the story. I, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was uh, at, at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. Another dream. Another dream. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for, for me. 
When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Verse 9. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. There, um, There are... These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. You see this tree? Anybody ever see a big tree before? Ever go to the redwoods? See one of those trees that's over 300 feet tall? This tree is enormous, according to Nebuchadnezzar. The tree grew large and strong. By the way, you don't have trees. Well, that's not true. You have palms uh, in close to where Babylon was, that reached a height of like 90 feet. But he sees this enormous tree. The tree grew large and strong. Its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. This is an enormous tree. You can see it to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. This tree fed everything, everyone. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From from it, every creature was fed. Okay? It's a dream. It's kind of strange. So far, so good. Or so good, whatever. So good so far, whatever. In the visions I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice. Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its fruit, or or, excuse me, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven tens, or excuse me, seven times pass by, by for him. The decision is announced uh, by messengers. Am I in verse 17? The decision is announced by messengers. The Holy Ones declare the verdict, so that the, the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and, uh, and sets over them the lowliest of people. Let me read that again because I didn't read it well. This is an important verse, okay? The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living, you know who the living are? It's all people, you, me. So that the living may know that the Most High, the Most High. You know who the Most High is? It's the Lord God Almighty. So that you may know that the, the Most High is sovereign. That means to be outrageously, awesomely in charge. So that they may know that the Most High is sovereign, awesomely, outrageously in charge over all kingdoms on earth. 
See, God is not just having authority in heaven, but authority on earth. And he gives them, he gives these kingdoms to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. See, God can put anybody he wants in any place of authority he wants. That's important to remember. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time. And his thoughts terrified him. This is really interesting. I think Daniel had a real compassion for Nebuchadnezzar. You have a friend who doesn't know Jesus you have compassion for? I think Daniel, uh, I think that Nebuchadnezzar was the person that Daniel wanted to invite to Easter Sunday. That's what I think. Uh, Daniel was terrified, terrified on Nebuchadnezzar's behalf. On verse 19, okay. I'm so grateful for the slides. It helps me know where I'm at. Thanks, Kathy. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time. His thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Meaning, I'm not going to kill you if you tell me the truth. Okay? Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, which its top touching, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and in having nesting places in its branches for the birds. You, your majesty, you are the tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, an angel, a messenger, That's what angel means. Coming down from heaven saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field with its roots, uh, while its fruits remain in the garden. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by. Time out. Time out. All right, let's talk about this for a moment. Sometimes people read this and they're like, oh, it's just a fairy tale, okay? A man can't have the mind of an animal. First of all, God can do anything he wants to. He can give uh, a man the mind of an animal just like that, all right? Uh, You know, uh, to give a uh, a man the mind of an animal, here's the thing is, is that Jesus spoke the word, and God spoke the word, in a billion trillion stars were flung into existence. God can do anything. But I learned something new this week. I got two words for you, okay? So I know y'all like to learn new words. Zoanthropy. Can you say zoanthropy? Okay, can you say boanthropy? Anybody know what those two words mean? Okay, okay. These are, you, you'll figure it out. I know you will. Anybody who's familiar? Uh, but but um, so, so the, the two words, they, they are a very extremely rare but real condition, mental condition. Okay? Really does happen. Zoanthropy is believing that you're an animal of any kind. 
Okay? Does that ever happen to people? Yes, it has. I recently read, the, I read an article about a woman who thought, I kid you not, thought she was a chicken. Seriously. She would cluck like a chicken. She would make motions like a chicken. She's okay today. She's, she's okay today. And when they were describing her, it was like sad and kind of amusing at the same time. It's that she would stop and strain from time to time. I'm thinking to myself, she's trying to lay an egg. Really happened, okay? Uh, she didn't lay an egg, though, okay? That did not happen. Uh, but she thought she was a chicken. Um, back in 1946, I, I read the story about a man who had, uh, he had boanthropy, okay? He believed he was a, a bovine, a cow, an ox. And he was in a sanatorium. This was in England back in 1946. And he would go out on the grounds, and the keepers were always trying to, you know, keep an eye out for him. Because what he would do is he would go around eating grass, and you can't eat grass. It's not, it's not going to kill you. It, it, it just doesn't have great nutritional value for humans, all right? But he would go around eating grass and drinking water from mud puddles. Real condition, all right? Doesn't prove anything, but just it's a real condition, all right? Where am I at? Verse 24, 23. I'm still in 23. Uh, verse 23. Your majesty saw a holy one. Okay. Um, verse 21. This is the interpretation, your, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has uh, issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Let me read that again. Seven times will pass by for you, underline this, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. You know what that means? The Most High, God Most High, is sovereign. That means he is crazy in charge, insanely in charge over all kingdoms on earth. That means China. That means Russia. That means the United States. That means Canada. It means England. It means France. It means Germany. It means the Ukraine. It means every nation. He is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Heaven's in charge. God's in charge. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Here's my advice. This is good advice for every single president, every single national leader, Every single CEO of every company, every great inventor, every mayor, every governor, every congressman or congresswoman, every judge, and every person. Renounce your sins. Repent. Confess your sins. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. And your wickedness by being... Underline these words. By being kind to the oppressed. In our world, people oftentimes use power only for self-promotion. I'm not just talking about political leaders. I'm talking about businessmen. 
I'm talking about people in every strata of society. The tendency is to use power for our own advantage. And power was never given to any purpose or person for any other person than to be kind to the oppressed. This is an expectation we should have for political leaders, whether they are Democrat or Republican, to be kind to the oppressed. You use power to help those who need it the most, not to help yourself. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace at Babylon. He said, Is this not the great Babylon? I, circle the word I, I have built as the royal residence. You remember the hanging gardens of of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? That's, That's Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Is this not... The great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my, circle that word my, by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty. Oh, man. This is the insanity of pride. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals and you will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most, you see this? The most high, the most high is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Crazy in charge. Insanely in charge. Outrageously, awesomely in charge over all kingdoms on earth, and gives them to anyone he wishes. God does that. Nobody has anything that they can claim for themselves and brag about it. He's the one who puts those people in charge. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, Nebuchadnezzar writes, he says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. He's looking at God. Folks, when you're in trouble, good place to look is looking at God. I... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me uh, for the glory of my kingdom. Okay. (laughs) What verse am I in? At that same time. Okay, sorry. 
at that same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors, nobles, sought me out. I was restored to my throne. It became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. All right. So very, very quickly, um, I, I, I want to make sure we get some really important points here. Okay. And I'm going to go through this real fast. All right. First thing that you need to see from this text, first major takeaway is this. Uh, first life principle uh, I want you to see in this is that, that the Most High, that's the Lord God, the Most High is awesomely in charge. Have I said this enough today? Okay. He is awesomely in charge. Write that down. The Most High is awesomely in charge of the nations of the earth, and he sets over them. God sets over them. See, this is what God does. He sets over them whoever, whomever he wishes. He sets over them whomever he wishes. God does that. Uh, you know, this is repeated three different times in, in Daniel chapter 4. In verse 17, the Bible says, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. And just in case you didn't get it, he says again in verse 25, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And just in case you did not see that, he says again in verse 32, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The Most High is crazy, insanely, awesomely, wonderfully in charge of the nations of the earth. And he sets over them, anyone he wishes. Number two, the most proud, or excuse me, the most high gives the proud, the most high gives the proud warning and opportunity to repent. That, 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 that in all of his pride and arrogance, God warns Nebuchadnezzar of his impending doom with a dream. And has uh, Nebuchadnezzar to uh, interpret it for him. Verse 27 of chapter 4 says this. And Daniel speaking here to Nebuchadnezzar. He says this. Renounce your sins. See, the Most High gives the proud warning and opportunity to repent. He says, renounce your sins by doing what is right. Your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And I said this a moment ago, but I'm going to say it again. The proper use of power is to show kindness. Can you say kindness? Whenever you think of a political leader, whenever you look for someone to vote for, one of the things you should look for is kindness. And you say, well, Gary, that's not the way our political system works. Then you need to pray. You need to pray like you've never prayed before that our system changes. We need men and women of integrity who know, to show, know how to show kindness to the oppressed to lead our nation. Otherwise, we have leaders who are leading us away from Jesus because Jesus never used power to oppress. He always used power to show kindness to the oppressed. That's the kind of leadership this nation needs. 
Number three, third thing I want you to see in the text is the insanity of pride. I've said this before. Hopefully you, you're seeing this, the insanity of pride. Nebuchadnezzar boasts of all that he has accomplished. I'm going to read for you Daniel 4.30, but I'm going to read, for, read it for you in the New American Standard translation. I think it's, on this verse, it's a better translation. The ESV is very, very similar. I like both the ESV and the New American Standard on this particular verse. But what it says, it says, The king began speaking and was saying, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? This is why I call Nebuchadnezzar the poster child of the me, me, me generation, which is every generation. He's representative in, in some respect of all of us who have a capacity for selfishness and pride and self-centeredness. Uh, it is insane, uh, and I want you to see this. It's insane, and this is in your notes, and you might want to write this down. It's worth keep hanging on to. It is insane for anyone to boast of anything before God. You and I have absolutely nothing to boast of. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this. He says, uh, he, says, uh, he says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom. If you're wise, you don't have anything to boast about. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Or let not the strong boast of their strength. If you are strong, you have nothing to boast about. Let not the rich boast of their riches. If you are rich, you have nothing to boast about. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. The only thing that we have to boast in is that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. All right. Number four. I want you to see this. The Most High restores those who humble themselves before him. That at the end of the seven times, the Bible tells us that Nebuchadnezzar writes, he says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. We're going long, and I apologize. I want to say this. This is so important. Because you've been reading, and you may or may not know this, but you should have seen something in chapter 2, and you should have seen something in chapter 3 that sets you up for what you see in this verse. See, at the end of chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, when Daniel, excuse me, when Nebuchadnezzar is speaking to Daniel, he, he says, the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, said to Daniel, surely your God, surely your God is a God of gods, the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries. Notice that Nebuchadnezzar does not say that God is. He says, your God, Daniel, your God. When you read through chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar does not call the Lord God the most high. He does not call him my God. Instead, he calls him two different times. He says, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, it's not his God. But in chapter 4, in chapter 4, 
Verse 37, if your Bible is open, look at this. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is so important. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven. See, he is gone from acknowledging the God of Daniel. He is gone from acknowledging the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to saying, now I praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Do you see that this is Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 4 of the book of Daniel, um, this is, you know how I ask you to write your hundred word testimony every once in a while? How you came to faith in Christ? This is Daniel, excuse me, this is Nebuchadnezzar's 1,187 word testimony of faith. How he became a true believer of the one and only true God. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. Let me lead us in prayer and and then... We have a, a special uh, vision lunch prepared. I want to say thank you for the people who have put this on. I appreciate your work. And uh, we're going to eat lunch together. And we're going to talk about where we're going as a church and uh, do a little bit of business. God, you are the most high God. You are awesomely, insanely, wonderfully, outrageously in charge of all the nations, of everything. You put over them anyone you want. Lord, we don't want, we want you to be our God, not just the God of Daniel, not just the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, not just the God of Nebuchadnezzar, but our God. And we want to worship you the same way we see Nebuchadnezzar here worshiping. You, the one and only true God. We pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. I am so enjoying this uh, journey through Daniel and learning about how, um, you know, seeing myself in it. And uh, also seeing the hope of, of, of repentance and restoration and humility. And uh, it's been pretty neat. Um, as Gary said, so a couple of things I want to mention before our closing song here. Uh, as Gary said, we, we are having our annual uh, business meeting uh, shortly after the service with a special lunch provided. So please uh, stick around for that. Um, and then also uh, Easter weekend uh, is coming up um, pretty soon here it's kind of uh it's amazing even though we've been planning for it it's like oh my gosh time is flying uh so a good good friday service is at 6 p.m and easter sunday is at 10 a.m and as gary mentioned earlier i encourage you to uh, take a couple of invite cards and give those out to people that you would uh, like to invite uh, for that weekend Um, so be sure to pick those up And then finally, uh, we want to worship God with our giving. And I want to just quickly just express my gratitude uh, to all of you who faithfully give 
to the mission of our church, the mission of, of inviting people to follow Jesus, the mission of making disciples. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, you can give by uh, tapping the Give button on our app, and you can also go to our website, solanavalley.org slash giving to do that. So thank you for giving. Let's stand together and let's do one final song together one more time from the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to share a meal together. Let's put our hands together just like this. Let's sing. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. And give us this day. This day a daily bread, forgive us, forgive us, if we forgive the ones who sin against us, forgive them, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Let your kingdom come, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us. Forgive the ones who sinned against us. Forgive them. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil one. Oh, let the kingdom come. And it's yours. And it's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom. The power. The glory are yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. Forever and ever. The kingdom is And it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. The kingdom. The power. The glory are yours. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Oh, Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Once again, Father, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Yes, as in heaven, right here in my heart. 
One more time now. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. On earth. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Whoop. Anxious, ready to start next week already. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, stick around for our business luncheon. Looking forward to connecting with you some more. Thanks. <laughs>